I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Going Off Track. It is, as always, Stephen, joined by Brad, audio extraordinaire. Hola. Hey, Espanol. Uh, the People's Producer, Mike Kanjemi. Hi. Uh, J-Train, Jonah Ooh. Bear, rock journalist extraordinaire. Do you like J- Should we just keep J-Train? No. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough? <laughs> Thought it was fun? There's it more was of, fun. It was fun. There, there's more of a, time has passed. Yes. <laughs> the J-Train is pulled out of the stage. <laughs> <laughs> and how is she? <clears throat> Bam! Nailed it. On today's episode of Going Off Track, we are talking with Jared Cotter. Not only was he on American Idol, not only is he a fantastic songwriter for amazing radio hits that you all know, not only does he host a game show for Madison Square Garden, but he's a good friend of ours and a glorious dude to hang out with. Okay, uh, recently, uh, people know I love television. Uh, My wife and I one of our favorite things, one of the one of the best things we have in common is our love for, for TV. Uh, I'm thrilled that Thursday nights on NBC is now truly must-see TV again, where there are four shows in a row I actually enjoy, 30 Rock, Parks and Rec, um, The Office, and Up All Night, which I find now I enjoy more that I have children, starring Christina Applegate and Will Arnett. You know the story, she's a producer, he's a dad who stays at home. I'm home a lot with my girls. They have a daughter. So... On the premiere episode for this season, they decided to have a New Year's Eve party where they had a game night. And Will Arnett didn't want to have game night because he hates the fact that she gets so competitive. So I asked my wife, did you ever have a game night? And she went, oh, yeah, you need to ask Brad about game night. That my wife, one of our, one of our good friends uh, that Jonah and I know, I uh, was a bartender, uh, and our friend Sarah who is like, she's a vice president, William Morris now, would have game nights that were beyond cutthroat that involved just violence and hate. I don't know. Trish just said, ask Brad about these game well, nights. Sarah took him very seriously. But see, I think she's, I don't know the specific night she's talking about. So. She just said in general. She, she, Trish told me that one time she brought Sarah to Christmas with her down to Philly with, with uh, now my in-laws. And Sarah yelled at my brother-in-law during a game for not pronouncing words correctly. My brother-in-law is from Puerto Rico, and English is his second language. Sarah takes it very seriously. Sarah takes a lot of things very seriously. In fact, I thought I was competitive with games. Like, you know, I'll, I'll, I've gotten into trouble at, at Thanksgivings and Christmases where, 
the family sits down to a game after I've been drinking beers all afternoon, and it gets a little too serious. But uh, what game? Yeah, Sarah like what, what game gets serious? Scrabble. Was that the See, game? With Sarah? I believe in. I believe that Scrabble is a game like poker where you're allowed to bluff. Like if you can come up with a good enough fake word and kind of stand behind it you know scrabble should be no rules yeah. it should just be like you get to just have fun with it i mean or i mean i don't know i like no rules scrabble where you could just be like dude that's a word my my roommate but you get challenged I, yeah. my and roommates in college who are now married and have been in a relationship for 20 years got into if i remember correctly a scrabble fight so intense <laughs> they broke up and he got stabbed what that's an intense uh, like they were so <laughs> angry about fucking scrabble and and it's it's I adore these people. It's Kevin and Brandy, and Kevin would be screaming, "You get it? you better! I will challenge you! I will! Do you you want to lose a turn? Do you want to lose a turn?" See, that's yeah, that's Sarah. She she didn't believe in the kind of the bluffing that I was into. So you would make up a word. You'd be like squidgem. If I thought no, it looked real, I would go for it. <laughs> but I literally played it like poker. Like every now and then, I would bust out one that that I knew was a real word. But it looked bad, just to kind of keep people on their toes. Like what? What's the word that looks oh, bad? Oh, God, I can't remember now. But Squid, like usually squidium. technical terms that I would know and other people wouldn't know. Okay. You know, like misspelled sort of words that uh, – like know. gobo. Gobo is a word yeah, that, Gobo's you know, word. I mean, I guess that's – Gobo is also a fraggle. Very important. And a delicious restaurant. Gobo is a delicious vegetarian restaurant. We went there once, didn't we? We went to Gobo, yes. yeah. So that would work in the game. Yeah. That would work. Gobo but, makes sense. Okay. But I'm very pro-bluff. Like, And Sarah, I think, was – she got – she wasn't into that. See, when I when I was in high school, we would have – to show how cool we were, we would have played games. Yeah. And we played Trivial Pursuit. And what I would do is I believed – I believe there's no money being exchanged. If it's not like poker and it's not serious, then cheating is all out. Like, like I'll cheat beyond life. I'll cheat at Monopoly. I'll cheat at whatever. <laughs> if it's not – if, if it's real money, if it's real poker game, that's serious. That's That's different. But if it's fake money, fuck it. Who cares? So – we would play Trivial Pursuit, and in the middle of the game, if everyone was sitting around in a circle and whatever, I would just reach over, and I believe that if I did it in plain sight, no one would call me on it. No one ever did. I would grab the card, I'd look at it, and I would read it. Then I would put it back in. So then when it came time for the next turn, someone would grab the card and go, Geography. Uh, and I would go, China. <laughs> wow. I don't know. I just guessed. You'd go, okay. <laughs> and then you see certain people go, did you? Did I what? It just got really, really obnoxious. The Trivial Pursuit can get really ugly. I play a lot of, like, when we, like, you know, certain family get-togethers or we'll go to the shore in the summer and we'll have, like, you know, game nights. But the family ruining game is Monopoly. Like, if you play Monopoly with friends or family, most likely you'll end up hating somebody by the end of the 12 hours that it takes to finch the game that's why that's too long that's why i don't play never finished monopoly in my life first of all i didn't realize i don't get competitive during these games mostly because i'm drinking and i don't really (laughs) care so it's like whatever like you know but if it's and i just i realized that monopoly is the one game that will get me to flip out like if if it's like if we're eight hours into the game and you just have like one railroad and i have like this i'm like dude just trade with me like we have the whole board just fucking trade and if you don't trade you're a dick and like that's it you're a dick in life forever 
So it's like that is like that one thing. I was just like, I didn't realize I, I had a flip out at a family monopoly game, like in front of like my brother's new girlfriend. I was, I was so embarrassing. And I like, I just totally was like, you're a fucking asshole. Like, it was one of those moments where I'm like, I'm out. And I was like, realized later, I'm like, dude, that was monopoly. It was the dumbest yeah. Thing. But I feel like board games do bring out like you'll have a friend who you think is totally normal and then they get super competitive and, and intense like, about board games. And you're like, dude, like, I don't even want to be your friend. Yeah. Like I have a couple of people like that where I feel like it really brings out like what's the on the inside. Yeah, yeah, like, like the worst parts. I was it's like, true. I was saying, like you're you're just an asshole. Like, dude, it's fucking the railroad. All right, so it was maybe it was the railroad, or, or even if you have like the shitty blue ones and like you have a trade for someone. Yeah. I'm like, dude, at this point, I'll give you like I know you need the red, so I'll give you the reds are pretty dope. So I'll give you like my shitty blue, like for the red, whatever it is. Like, dude, I feel I like trade with you. You know what game really is like that? It's sorry too. Because, like, you can, like, I'll be like, dude, you killed me, but it's closer for you to get your girlfriend, but you picked me, now I have to go back home. Like, oh, yeah. you just picked Thanks, your girlfriend dude. over me. Like, yeah. let's never hang out again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, totally. And it is, I think it does bring out, like, the yeah, worst in yeah. some people. But see, I, yeah, well, we can't play games. Because... <laughs> I'm getting I mad just don't... talking about I, playing I games. Like, I feel like my heart rate's rising. Like... I just started talking about Monopoly, and I felt my hand shake. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. But. I know. I can't do it I mean, it if you played with somebody who takes it so unseriously that they'll be like, oh, here, just take some of my Monopoly money and stay in the game. See, that'd be me because the whole time Mike's arguing, <laughs> my, hand, my hand is in the fucking bank and I've taken... <laughs> I love that too. I, I would know. give out free interest loans to myself if I was the banker. Uh, I would take more money. I played a game the other night with, and Lisa Brownlee was there and I had to arm wrestle her and it was super close. I wouldn't want to do that ever. <laughs> And I think get, she let me win. We're going to get Lisa in here at some point, yes. but right now let's go to uh, Jared Cotter. You're going to learn a lot and laugh a lot. You also learn another definition for the word bump. It's going on track! So Mike's hungover. Uh, Jonah was at a party, and um, I was in bed by 10 uh, and woke up this morning um, having my cat had pissed all over the comforter but i didn't want to wake my wife up so i basically slept with my feet and cat urine uh until i woke up to my kids talking so wait well, hold on i want to say what i did really quick yeah. i was someone texted me asking me what i was doing last night and i literally was cutting a coupon out of yoga journal for herbal tea <laughs> <laughs> at like midnight and they're like oh you don't want to come to this bar i was like ah, oh, just i'm cutting out this coupon for like smooth move laxative tea or whatever it was oh so my God. do you take that no, I, I just... Uh, I've done that before. I've, yeah, I've done those cleanses before. I was just cutting it out just... It was for just um, that yogi tea, so whatever. Anyways. Laxative tea is the way we start. Now, Off Track begins this week. We have a very special guest, Jared Cotter. Uh, you know him from Fuse. We hosted The Sauce together. Back he in hosted, the Dizzy. Well, many moons ago. Uh, he hosted uh, and wrote the theme song to the the great game show, You Rock, Let's Roll. Classic. I'm not sure what it was about. but uh, And then we were discussing this a couple of days ago. You did a tour show with Sarah Lewidon, I think. That was actually a really cool show. I wrote I that wish. show, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jonah wrote the show. Jonah wrote that. And then uh, aside from that, f- phenomenal singer and songwriter. And so then uh, everybody gets let go from Fuse. Eventually, uh, yes. Eventually, all of us in the room, <laughs> except for Brad, who didn't work there. Uh, and Jared says, you know what? I'm just going to go out and, and write multi-platinum songs for Jay Sean. Because, you know, I'll, I'll, do, I'll, I'll fall back on this. Because <laughs> that's, that's cool. Yeah, man. 
Uh, yeah, that was a, a really, really, really cool thing to do. Uh, you know, I, during Fuse, I was still writing. You yeah, know? always. And, you know, Mike, I think, you know, you write as well. You, you know, Jonah's in a band, too. You know, it's in us. Yeah. So we have to do it. And so you were on that show, uh, American Idol? Oh, yeah, that yeah. show. That little show. <laughs> that little show, American Idol. <laughs> yeah. They call it X Factor now, isn't that what it's called? <laughs> could be, could be. Or I'm sorry, Zvactor, isn't that what they call yeah. it? Yeah, X Factor. How many but years ago was they that? Lip sync on that damn song. On that. No, show, they man. do not. Yes, it's all. They got caught the other day. No. Yeah, it's all lip singing, man. They they go in and they they record it first, and then they go in and, and lip sync on oh stage. God, I actually tried watching it. I couldn't really. No, it's not good. It. It's really a mishmash of like every singing show, and they just are, seem very confused. Yeah, I'll all. be honest with you. I, I I tried to get into it because obviously I will write for whoever wins. Yes, <laughs> you know? because uh, you know they sell a lot of records, but you know, yeah. It's just, I wasn't entertained. I couldn't get into it. Yeah. How many years ago was American Idol for you? For me, it was five years ago it now, Jordan man. Sparks it was like a was long time ago now. Yeah. Jordan, Jordan Sparks won that year. I was number 13. And at the time, it was like, you really, I felt like somebody punched me in my face when, you know, when, when I got voted off. But, uh, but it all worked out, man. Lori Teague called me the next day. Yes. And that's yes. when my Fuse career started. Yes. Lori, Lori worked at Fuse. She was uh, one of the, the celeb bookers for the channel mm-hmm. uh, who now works at Vivo. Does she? Yes, she does. i got to reach out. Does. Yeah, she's the greatest. Uh, getting married, um, which is very exciting. Very exciting. Uh, she's joining. Joining. Um, <laughs> and so you showed up and you tested for the sauce. Yeah. And I was hosting with this girl, Holly. Holly, Holly Hanula. Holly Hanula, a very, very nice girl. And uh, I wasn't supposed to be on that show. This, this was yet another. That's right. Wow. This happened to me for every few shows. Somebody, the new person will come in and go, Stephen, we don't want you, but will you just do it until <laughs> someone else shows up? And I always went, sure. And then would end up hosting the whole time. The whole and show. then Holly, bless her heart, uh, got let go. Uh, and then we had what I call the greatest dynamic ever. The one time you'd see a black dude and a white dude hosting a show that wasn't about sports. Yes, that is true. <laughs> and it was so much fun. And has it happened since? I don't think so. No. And the one sport thing we did uh, was, I, I think, I speak for both of us, a high point in our lives. Mm-hmm. We got to play basketball with the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> also, we got a, a chance to to talk to a bunch of people that i grew up listening to including dmc oh, you God, know, that was great which was a highlight i think for both of us i well. lost my mind like you know just sitting there talking to you know uh dmc Daryl mcdaniels from run dmc and he's just so cool we was i remember we was only supposed to talk to him for like two minutes and he kept, and he and wouldn't he shut up going. he wouldn't shut up but it was we were just in awe we i, I think we asked like two questions you just keep keep talking tell yeah, the story just go just go dude now do you yeah. remember afterwards you know for a lot of places, uh, TV studios, you know, do, they have like a photo wall. Mm-hmm. So they had a photo wall. And usually they'll take the photo and leave and, and you know, the host or whatever, don't go out there. Jared and I ran out yeah. like during commercial break and they're like, get a picture. And right before they took the picture, I went, no, wait, I've always wanted to do this. And I jumped down and like crossed my arms yeah. in front of DMC. <laughs> had to, had to. <laughs> and he just started laughing. <laughs> Remember when we were, what was, who was supposed to get 
was it for the rock show? We were supposed to get Jean-Claude Van Damme, and all we were excited about was to take a picture with him. Like, we were all figuring out our picture with... I was just thinking about that, yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme, and then he canceled. But then we had, we had someone ask if we could pretend to be, like, him to be punching us out or something, yeah. and he was, like, cool with cool, it. Yeah. And then his dog died, and he didn't yeah. do that whole JDVD tour. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. That was a bummer. So brutal. I remember that. Yeah. See, uh, if, if, if you picture... At the Fuse offices, which are done, by the way. They ripped apart all the cubes. Yeah, I, I don't know if you saw it. that. Uh, I had a desk, and next to me was Mike. In front of me, or you might have been to the left of me at that point, was Jonah. And you sat in front of Mike. Right, yeah. And it was just this uh, quartet of hilarity. <laughs> just, just ridiculousness. Because Jared had a pillow under his desk. I did. And no matter how late you were out, where you were the night before... You could always find Jared either under the desk or just with the pillow and his face in it at two or three in the afternoon. And I like nothing better to walk by and go, what's up? <laughs> Bam. Hey, man, those long nights in the studio. You know, I'll say I was in the studio. Really, I was out doing, doing some, some other craziness. And, uh, you know, I had to be at work, dude. So I brought out the pillow. So, um... Sauce ends, all that. You immediately, it seemed to me immediately, started doing a show at MSG. Yeah, it was crazy, man. I kind of just walked into that, you know. Uh, and it's still going. It's my third season hosting a show called The Challenge. Yeah. Uh, it's, which is it's a little corny, but it's fun. You know, it's, uh, it's Jeopardy for high school kids, basically, on MSG Varsity. And, uh, you know, Kristen Dolan basically loved, actually, you rock, let's roll. That, mm-hmm. that dating game show. I was like, yo, you'd be cool for this. Kristen Dolan, Kristen Dolan is Jim Dolan's wife. Right. Owned, Jim Dolan owns everything. Everything. He apparently. owns the world. <laughs> yeah. And she ran Fuse for a little bit and was actually hilarious because she's a super deadhead. Yeah. And and I hate the Grateful Dead. So I like I like nothing better to go in her office and go, really, Jerry Garcia? Like, why? Why would you do that to another human being? And she just thought it was hilarious. She was like, oh, you're just being funny. And I'm like, no, no. I really don't yeah. like yeah. it at all. I'm re- you're really trying to understand like why you like like where where where, how does your what chromosome cross to make you enjoy that kind of jam music whatever and she just thought it was funny but she was very nice so she chose you to go over and do yeah so she hooked me up they were looking for a full-time host for the show um and uh yeah so i that's so great so i got it immediately what's the season like how long how many episodes it's six shows a day for three months um so it's like Whatever that equates to, like wow. two hundred shows, or, I that's don't know, a lot. Three hundred shows a season. That's a season. I know a number of people who've done game shows. That's average. Really? Game it's shows. Crazy. Game shows. Six shows a day. Game shows. It's do, crazy, that's dude. Crazy. Yes, but it's a lot of fun, and these kids are like crazy smart. Yeah. You know, like they roll their eyes in the back of their head, and it's like you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't even know what the hell I'm saying. Yeah, but you're the like, smartest. Yeah. Yeah. Do you say. feel like you've gotten smarter just from like having to like? learn all these answers like you like, bust it out in a bar you're like actually yeah, yeah actually Pluto is yeah exactly yeah. yeah i have i have and my girlfriend is like shut up <laughs> shut up because i you know i'll come she'll come home and i'll be like welcome home <laughs> <laughs> you know my game show voice <laughs> she'll be like shut up that. that's incorrect <laughs> <laughs> People don't realize how difficult the game show is to do. It's really hard, man. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta figure it all out. You know, it's Let not. It there's no edit. It's timing, right? It's timing, man. It's all. It's all. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. I've tested for a number of them, and when you test for them, they make you do the show, mm-hmm. and all you do is sweat, and then you realize Alex Trebek and Pat Sajak and Bob Barker are gods. They really are. 
They really are. It's, it's incredible. so damn hard. It makes any any other kind of TV production look like nothing. You know, one That's of my crazy. favorite things to do with game shows is, and because I'm crazy, this will probably tell you a lot about me. <laughs> you can look up game show bloopers on YouTube, but my favorite are the uh, the Wheel of Fortune ones, where people there'll be like one letter missing, and the people will do it wrong. They'll add like an S, or they'll say the wrong word, and it's like just like their faces after they do it, or people who miss the first question on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. <laughs> There's a whole collection of them. They'll be like, are you sure? And they'll be like, yeah. And they'll be like, I'm sorry. And the people are like. Yeah, I know. So they're like, oh, my. Oh, wait, wait. And it's like that moment of realization. It's just so brutal. But then I you know. can't look away. It's real, though, man. It's real. These kids, if they get an answer wrong. Oh, and kids, it's got to be oh, 10 yeah, times I worse. I feel so bad for some of these kids. You know, some of them have cried. You know, they, you know we got to edit that out. But, and, you know, one kid fainted on stage. Another kid threw up. <laughs> it's like damn like it's pressure dude yeah, like, no, yeah, totally. yeah their friends are watching there's you know there's an audience so their teachers are like looking at them and you know cheerleaders which is really cool about the shows because like you know the brainiacs the smart kids not all the time get to to have like a show where they're the star <clears throat> you know what i'm saying or like football players have the, the game on sunday you know mm-hmm. these kids they don't have it this is their game on sunday so it's really cool to see them come to this and just like where do they get up. the students where do the kids come from they come from all over the place tri-state area um you know everywhere from long island to greenwich connecticut to the bronx you know to brooklyn you know and and uh it's really cool to see kids you know and, you know i'm getting all political and and stuff whatever but it's really cool to see kids be happy about academics and learning you know i don't think that's political <laughs> I I think not that's, political but I think like corny. How it should it's be. A what, do they, corny. what do they win on the show they won a scholarship, and and uh, I th- believe they it's twenty thousand dollars. You know, I don't. Re- yeah, ten ten thousand. Wow, what's the age? Like what's the cutoff? Can you just as long as you're in high school? <laughs> Do they get a, shoot. Do they yeah. get a Jared, Jared Cotter signed headshot. Of course. <laughs> All right. Of course. And a copy of every every record you've written a song for. Yeah, which is hopefully going to grow next year, man. I got some good things in Dude, the works. Here's, I was so proud of you because Trish and I were watching. Um, I think it was the Karate Kid. Yeah. And Down is in there. And like we watched the credits. Yeah. We're like, that is Jared's day. I know. It's crazy. He yeah, wrote it. Do, yeah. Do You Remember is in there. And um, it's it's the it's the opening song. So soon, the, before anything happens in Karate Kid, like you hear the opening uh, opening uh, section from Do You Remember. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool, man. I love that because w- when the stuff we would do at Fuse was we had, you know, these great writers. Yeah. And uh, one of them's got him, John Murray, who has a comedy group called Stucky and Murray. Incredible. And John, John wrote this song, Thanksgiving It to You. And Jared, you made a video. And it's yeah. so hilarious. And it's basically a love song to a turkey. Yeah. I'm a trip to fan of you, girl. <laughs> and, it's, and it's you in the studio. Um, we could find it on YouTube and play it. It's like, it's, it's you in the studio and... John told me that recording with you was so fun because you kept going, man, we got to stack the hook. We got to stack the hook. And I remember saying, what does that mean? And John was going, I have no idea. Jared kept saying it over and over again. Got to stack it, man. Got to double it up. Put a harmony on that bitch. Okay, okay, I want to tell this story. Jared and I used to mess around quite a bit and if you overheard the messing around, you'd be like, these guys don't like each other. There's some racist shit yeah, going right. on here. Fine. And in reality, we were giggling. <laughs> so 
I was oh, here we go. in my cube one day, <laughs> and you came up to me and said, man, I'm so glad I didn't run into you earlier. I said, why not? Because someone had brought in for a huge meeting a giant fruit plate. And I grabbed the watermelon, and I was just walking down the hallway. And all I kept thinking was, damn, I hope I don't run into Steven. God damn. Yes. If I do. And I gave myself up, though. Because <laughs> it's hilarious. It's hilarious. The stereotype, man. I'm, I, I'm a full believer. I, I like watermelon, and I don't care who knows it. Can you please tell the story about how, I don't know how it happened, but you just had this pump of cocoa butter on, in your cube, <laughs> and when and when you left Fuse, you tried to give it away. <laughs> Can you please tell this story wait, without wait. naming the kid's name? I'm trying to remember what happened. Some kid okay. of, 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 of a similar pigment to yours. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and you're like, "Here you go, brother," and he got really offended. He got offended. <laughs> I try. You know what? I feel like you shouldn't. You shan't waste. Cocoa butter. I think that's in the, the the rule book. If I don't, if I remember correctly, it's right. Yeah. In, it's in the chapter of "Thou shalt not be ashy." Yeah, exactly. Oh Matter of fact, I have to bring that up at the next meeting. <laughs> you can't waste cocoa butter because he's he was in violation of that rule. <laughs> he wasted the cocoa butter. <laughs> Dude, one of my favorite memories of Jared is remember when you had that party for like cosmo girl or something you were like guy of the year or something i was most yeah. he was most eligible eligible, yeah. eligible bachelor did I, did I go with you to that maybe i went with annie or something i went to this thing and it was like i wasn't there just, unless i was drunk it was just like girls everywhere and i was like, i wasn't jared was the only person i knew <laughs> yeah girls yeah everywhere. I was, he was the most eligible bachelor. yeah yeah wasn't that crazy dude and how'd you do it jonah I did not do so well. <laughs> I did pretty good. No. <laughs> I was more of a wingman that night, even though I didn't actually talk to Jared for more than two seconds. Part of Off Track is talking about, well, the whole philosophy of the show is, remember how we would talk to people before the cameras were rolling, and yeah. that's when we'd had the best conversations? Exactly. That's the whole point. Okay. And then it would just go everywhere, and then we would talk about things that, you know, TV producers, not like Mike, also known as the People's Producer, uh... <laughs> Would be like, no, no, that's too high and inside, whatever. Right. Like we, Jonah and Joe from Fall Out Boy had a conversation about like single coil pickups, which to this day still mesmerizes me because I didn't know what was going on, but it was fascinating. Right. So you write songs with people. You write songs for people. Yeah. You have this collaborative like effort going on. What is that process like? Does someone come to you? Do you go to someone? Do you offer up, I don't know, treatments? Do you have ideas always floating around in your head that you're like, maybe I can use this for someone? Yeah. Bas- yeah, basically that's that's exactly what it is. I'm a I'm a songwriter in the, the original sense of the word. Um, I hook up with a producer and uh, we go to town, man. I basically have a list of concepts of things that I want to write about in my phone. And um, if, yeah, if, if my phone... And, Ever, if I ever lost my phone, I'd be screwed. But uh, and and I focus those concepts on different artists. Like like down when I wrote when I co-wrote down with Jay Sean, um, I had a line in my phone. You know, I will love you even if the sky is falling down. You know, just something corny, but but it, it was a cool line that I wanted to expand on. You know, and uh, so they started playing the track, and I was like, you know, it's cool, it's uplifting. The track is you know, is kind of dope. And um, and it just it just can't, it started from there. So I have these jumping off points that I like to start from. But how do you get to the artist? Do you, is there an agent involved? Is there yeah, is well, it now, word of mouth? Now it's a lot easier because uh, I have a publishing deal. I'm signed. I'm signed to EMI now. That's great. Um, 
which actually just got sold to Sony. So I think I don't know if I say I'm signed to Sony now. I don't get it. But uh, but yeah. So it's it's a lot easier. But before it was like just freaking so hard to to get to to an artist, you know. Uh, but now it's hey, I need this to get to Usher, and it gets to Usher. Literally, you have something that went to Usher. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Usher I got, is singing words you wrote. Not yet. But, okay. You know, but at least I know he'll hear it. You know, or his manager will mm-hmm. hear it. Like, you know, back in the day, you write songs just to write songs, and you hope it, they come mm-hmm. out. You know, but now they're coming out. You know, I've uh, I've had three top fifteens, a number one, and uh, a few few in um, Europe. You know, things are going well so far. And I've only been really writing professionally for about two, two, three years. Now, when you sign to a publishing deal, because a lot of bands, you know, when they'll sign to publishing, they'll have like, you know, their only, their funny little publishing name or something. Do you have a name for your? (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, Don't You Dare Take My Publishing. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it's not. It's not. It should be. Uh, It should be. No, my, it's corny. Mine is Cotterpin Publishing. That's fine, uh, but uh, but that it should works. be something. I should have I should have put more thought into that. <laughs> no, because at the at the end of the day, it's um. I think I think Taking Back Sundays was. Uh, I think I'm taking Crazy Pills Publishing, <laughs> which at the end you're just like really after a while. But you don't want Usher to get it and be like, I love this song. Like, what's this weird joke name? Right? It's yeah, from? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Other a friend he, of mine, I think, is, is this bitch give me my publishing or something like that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so, so crazy. <laughs> we'll stab you publishing. Right, 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 right. Wait, That's do you a, sing the track? Like, so yeah. I, and no. then when it gets to Usher, he'll hear your version of what it's going to be. Like, you'll, you'll yeah, produce I'll, it and I'll, sing it. I'll sing it. So I, ha- I literally have probably like five, six albums worth of music now, like with me on it singing different different differently if i do a song for usher i'll try to sing like usher if i do a song for trey songs you know it'll sound like trey songs if i do a song for david cook i'll try to you know do something like that you know um so uh so i literally have a bunch of songs in different genres uh sitting in my itunes and uh try to get them out now if you decided to put out jared cotter's record and these are your songs right is there a deal? Can you do that? Well, that's the next thing, man, honestly. Um, I've decided to do, like, some really cool, different, like, electronic, housey, dance-type stuff. You know, just, just to just to be creative. You know, it's not something that I necessarily grew up on, but it's something that, you know, a fuse, really, you know, I hate to give them all this credit, but they really, really did open my eyes. You know, you did, and everybody there opened my eyes to a bunch of different music that I would never have listened to you know, from every genre, you know. Um, so yeah, I would have never listened to Fall Out Boy. I would have never listened to, uh, you know, uh, Perry Farrell or any of those guys that, you know, that that I came in contact with. So Fuse really opened my eyes to, to search for different things. And in searching, I got into to dance music and, and, and house music. And Who do you the like? energy Who, is really cool. Who's a, who's a house DJ you like? Oh, man, I love Getta. Who I just mm-hmm. uh, yeah. got a chance to do a record. song with? Um, really? Yeah, we we did a song uh, the Flow Rider and Nicki Minaj recorded, and uh, and uh, it went number fifteen on the Billboard charts. That's called Where Them Girls At. Um, Which chart? Because I know Billboard's got like a bunch. The Hot One Hundred. The Hot One Hundred. Oh, nice. The real, the real chart. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, man. Uh, so I, I remember they did away with Heat Seekers, which is yeah. the only one I ever looked at. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the real chart. That's the one that's like the underground. Like you know, mm-hmm. this is the one that these these bands are about to pop off. And, uh, yeah, it sold, I think, one and a half million units so far uh, worldwide. And what's your cut of that? I don't, you don't have to go, like, specifics, but I'm just, I'm fascinated by public. And we've talked about this with a lot of people who've been in here. Yeah. You know, 
the publishing versus the licensing versus, you know, someone covering it, mechanicals versus, you know, the actual master, like who owns that? Yeah, you know well, I mean? the, the master, the, you know, the label always will own the master. Right. They'll never give that up um, unless you pay for it big time. It's even and, indie labels. It's yeah, a lot it's, of money to get a master. Yeah, it's crazy. But um, I actually split. I have a, a percentage of publishing um, just uh, with, with the producer, who's David Guetta and Sandy V. And I co-wrote it with these guys playing skills, the hook. Mm-hmm. And then Flo Rida and Nicki Minaj did the verses. Was the hook stacked? The hook was definitely stacked. Okay. <laughs> definitely <laughs> you, stacked. You guys hear what Billboard just, I think yesterday announced they're not going to yep. count album sales when the album sells for less than three forty nine. Yep. What? Do you see that? It's, it's, it's the, it's, they're calling it the, what, the Lady Gaga conundrum. Right. Because she sold so many records. But at like six ninety nine or something. 99 right? cents through Amazon. Oh, it was a right. sale. For a couple days. Yeah. For a couple days. So technically, they're leaving it as a number one. But technically, uh, it was Lil Wayne who sold the most that week. And it was he sold 900 and something thousand. But it wasn't a million. But didn't he do some kind of promotions, cheap promotion too? Well, there was just know. some controversy with him that he didn't actually sell the million units or the close to a million units uh-huh. and that his record label bought bought it i always know? think conspiracy wise too like that's <clears throat> got to happen sometimes like you know dude there's always been major conspiracies yeah. in the that nirvana business. story yeah, yeah Do you know that one stories about this what's shit? the nirvana there's, story i mean dude even when we were i mean this in 96 97 when i was at warner's like there was they were our a and r guy was busting moves to just even little shit that wasn't that shady but just stuff to 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 get the numbers up like yeah. in terms of sound scan and stuff because sound scan was really when sound scan <clears throat> first started it changed everything because no one sold no one debuted at number one before sound scan right. did not happen so the story goes and i've heard this from a couple of people and maybe you know more than i do uh brad producer brad who's in a band called the goops I didn't know your last name for years. I have you on my phone as Brad Goop. I know. Still. A lot of people think I'm like Dutch or something. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Yo. <laughs> Story is David Geffen changed the barcodes on other CDs on Geffen to read Nirvana Nevermind. That's and that's how Nirvana wow. knocked Michael Jackson <laughs> out of the top spot. No way. way. Yeah, look it up. Wow. That's the rumor. It'd be so easy to just say, oh, that was a mistake, you know. Yeah, oops, I mean, sorry. Even barcodes weren't that old at that point. Nope. I mean, wow, rumor. Nirvana was still a long box record. Yeah, barcodes, I mean, yeah, this is 91 Nirvana. Yeah, 91. Yeah, barcodes were fucking brand new. Nobody would even know. Mm-hmm. Dude, wow. Se- Sebastian Bach was just talking about, uh, he said that back in the day, he was saying he was out with his, they hit number one on the Billboard chart for, uh, it was like a, the number one metal record in 91 or whatever. For the self-titled one? Yeah, for Skid Row, I believe. And he was out with his manager, and it was before SoundScan, and the manager said something like, yeah, we're going to debut at number 19. And he's like, what do you mean we're going to debut at number 19? He goes, no, it's okay. (laughs) I talked to Whitney Houston's manager, and she's going to debut at 14. We're going to debut at 19. We're going to do a slow rise. And he's like... That's how this shit works. I was a nineteen-year-old kid, and then he's like, and then they had sounds. Then they in, they introduced SoundScan, and they went number one because of the actual. Yeah, I honestly like, don't know how it works, dude. Dude, Whitney Houston so bummed at SoundScan. <laughs> <laughs> when you do a song with these people and you're splitting it all up, yeah, is it a different royalty versus actual CD to? Like, say, iTunes or MP3 formats. I know when you buy a song on iTunes, you don't buy the song. You buy the license. Well, that's interesting. Um, I didn't. Yeah, I guess you are buying the license. Um, well, I had a long talk with, with an entertainment lawyer about that. When yeah. I did a gig at Chevy. 
uh-huh. and he was and he was Lady Gaga's like publishing dude. Right. And I was like, crack him knuckles. Like, all right, sit down. I have some right. questions because I well, love that kind of stuff. What happens is, yeah, the mechanical royalty is different from the publishing side, and then basically a song is. And Brad, you probably know this. You were, I, I'm, I'm assuming you, you were at a label. Yeah. Okay. There's, you have it, and you guys probably know, but there's a, you have a song. It's split in half between the publisher side mm-hmm. and the songwriter side. Okay. So, and, and, and me as a songwriter, I have a publishing side and a songwriter side. So, or producer side and a, and a songwriter side, sorry. So 50% of the song is, is, produ- is production, mm-hmm. which is the music, and then 50% is the top line, lyric and melody. Oh, wow. Right. So uh, going into a song, I own 50% of it because I, didn't, I don't do production. You know, done. I own 50%. Um, and then there's, if, if there's other songwriters, obviously that 50% then gets split amongst the songwriters. And the produce, producers, same thing. Um, so, you know, altogether, you, if there's a bunch of writers, you may own, like a friend of mine who wrote a huge Jennifer Lopez song, you know, he wound up with like two percent of the song, right? You know, but if that two percent is of thirty million, you know, whatever, you know, that's that's a nice living for for a year or a few, few years. It's like it's like the George Lucas story when he was making Star Wars and he's going bankrupt. He couldn't pay his. The story goes, he couldn't pay his secretary, and he said, "Well, let me give you just you know one percent." God, nice. <laughs> Perfect. Please. I'll take it. Billions yeah. of dollars. <laughs> yeah. you know I mean? There you go. It's the same thing. Well, his story, he gave up all his he gave up all his fees and everything. And he said, just let me hold on to the merchandising. Right. And then he yeah. ruined everything by making toys. Yeah. That we loved. You know, I gotta prop this book because we keep coming up with these stories in all these podcasts. There's a great book called uh, All You Need to Know About the Music Business. Perfect. That was my <clears throat> textbook in, in college. Yeah, it's by Donald Passman. Yep. If anybody out there is interested in this shit, this book actually, it not only explains this in ways that you can understand, even if you're stoned, but, uh, <laughs> but it, it gives all the examples. Absolutely. It, goes, it gives the actual examples yep. of like why you can't make a double album, Clash Sandinista, the triple album that they made to get out of their record contract yeah, because right. they owed three more labels. Like now when you read a record contract, it doesn't allow you to do that. And mm. it gives the actual examples of why there's these rules and contracts and how publishing. Is there a yes. whole chapter on Neil Young? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> I'm yeah, sure they speak about there. it for sure. Yeah, his story like, is phenomenal. That, literally, I went to Five Towns College in music school. That was the textbook. Like yeah, literally, that was our textbook. Book. And he it's updates an it every book. year. Every time yeah, digital get the changes. latest one. I'm sure my know, wife has it, it in our house somewhere. I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, for anybody out there that actually is in, wants to know more about this, it's just it's invaluable. I mean, anybody in the music business should read it. Yeah, absolutely. I love to digress on that kind of stuff because that stuff does fascinate me. But uh, specifically to to Mr. Jared Cotter, who, yeah, yeah. Who, who kindly explained this. So you were going to put out at some point your stuff that you've written and maybe other things. Yeah, I on think, a record. Honestly, man, I think that's the next thing. Being that there's only three record labels, major record labels <laughs> yeah. left, you know, now uh, literally three since mm-hmm. so, so, uh, since EMI just went under um, or was bought. Um, yeah, I kind of want to do some different things, man, and all this stuff that that you know I wrote that's not commercial or mm-hmm. if, or if it's not a single or you know even if it is if it is some hot stuff like you know that I feel like will get played on the radio and I just want to just test my creative boundary man do you ever write a song and feel like damn I should have kept that Cause there was a story recently about people who gave away song like I didn't know Jesse J wrote Party in the USA yeah 
and 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 I knew Neo wrote Irreplaceable, and he was like, "Damn, yeah." You know? Neil wrote a few songs. He's wrote. That, he's written a couple that I'm sure he's like, "Wow, I should have kept that." Yeah. But you know, it all happens for a reason. You know, like without those songs, Neil wouldn't be Neil. That's true. You know, and uh, same thing for everybody else. Like, you know, when I'm writing with Jay Sean, like, yeah, a few times I was like, you know, what I wish we were writing this for me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm not. I have to admit that. You know, um, but. I'm, it put me in a chance where, in a position where I can do that stuff now. You know, like I'm in a position where I have a publishing deal that says that you know I can get a record label, a record deal if if I so choose to. You know what I'm saying? And if they they love the music, it's cool to be proud of that, dude. It's awesome, man. Like you you have a publishing deal. Uh, yeah, it's, that's you know, awesome. I'm, I'm you didn't one have the, one when I met you. Yeah, exactly. I'm signed to one of the biggest publishers in the world. <laughs> And I'm, you know, I'm really happy where I'm at. I'm excited about the next thing. Um, um, recently, I was just in Africa. I was in Africa a few few weeks. Ago. Yes, that's my next thing. And uh, and just to see the people there, man, uh, living like that, it was it was sad, but at the same time, it was really inspiring. Where in so, Africa? I was in Mozambique. Okay. Yeah, which is on the um, west coast of Africa. Now, is this different than the the? internet show i saw yeah this is totally that's totally that different. was south that was south america south actually. america okay. yeah um so what was africa for africa i went out there with an organization called could you and what could you does is basically brings people like us people who who are uh, who are forward thinking who you know who are positive and want to help the world it's no one like us all right well <laughs> you <laughs> you guys will you guys will um you know they bring people like us to kind of show you like like we hear about this stuff we see it on television but when you're there it's a totally different experience so they you know i went out there and um got a chance to to actually be in a village where these people have no running water no plumbing you know starbucks is definitely not on the corner you know oh, um shit. how'd you survive and uh, I only stayed a night in in the village, mm-hmm. you know, slept on, on the floor like they would, you know, uh, ate with them. And it was really eye opening, bro. Like yeah. these people are happy, yeah. which is sh- it shocked me. Like I thought I was, you know, it was just going to be a sad day. I had like the greatest time. You know, we, we sang around a camp- campfire. We sang, you know, a guy brought out a guitar. It was like a homemade guitar like you know what i'm saying like it was incredible so it really inspired me to 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 want to do some stuff so i have this song called do it for love and um my contribution um to the could you organization is to revamp the lyrics a little bit to the song do it for love because i feel like the concept of it you know just do what you're doing for love like whatever it is love it you know like make sure you're doing it for love because then you're you're on the right track so I want people to hear this song and it doesn't have to be Africa. It doesn't have to be whatever is close to you. Do it for love, like contribute for love, volunteer for love, you know, because that's all we need in this world. I think the Beatles said that, right? You know, all we need is love, you know? Yeah, they were pretty good. They were pretty good. So I'm, I'm kind of trying to bring it back, man. And uh, yeah, so the, the next, the first single that I'm, that I'm going to put out as an artist um, is called Do It For Love. Now, how'd you get hooked up with Could You? Um, I through the South America trip, I did a similar trip in Colombia, in Bogota, Colombia, and uh, that was that was amazing too. It's really life changing experiences when you travel. These people to come to you, like or you this. just hear like, I want to do this. Um, my agent actually hooked me up with the the South America one, and then I, I I was so engaged with it that I just kept in touch with all the people, and um and 
they were like, listen, this opportunity in Africa opened up. You should go. And I was like, yeah, you know, of course I'll go. I <laughs> urge anybody to go that, that, uh, that wants that experience. I think about that a lot. Especially, I mean, it was one of Richard Pryor's records where he's like, go. Just go. Go to Africa. Yeah. He, spe- he said especially, and this is, this is another one of my favorite uh, Jared Cotter stories at Fuse. We were talking about something, and in, in our Cube area, there, there was a, a lot of, as I said at the time, uh, African Americans. And Jared looks at me and goes, dude, just say black. It's cool. And I went, <laughs> right on. I remember because he always used to look at me like, is this okay that I'm saying African-Americans? Notice I am saying African-Americans and not black. I was like, so I'm like, homie, it's all right. We're black. It's good. I didn't say Afro-American. Yes, I didn't say that. Because I don't understand that one. Because I learned from KRS-One. No, it's not Negro. No, you can't. No, 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 it's not not that. It's not that. No, I I learned from KRS-One. It's not Afro. That's a hairstyle. There you go. So so back to the record, because when you put songs together... Can and will it be songs that you have written for other people? Yeah, they will. I mean, because that's all I've been doing. Um, Does that count as a cover? You're covering yourself, or is I'm it covering yours? myself? Basically, songwriters. A lot of the time, you're giving your swag, you're giving your your creativity to, mm-hmm. so that an, another artist could be the um, the conduit, conduit yes, for, for for that. Like you know, this whole new you know this whole new Rihanna sound that we're hearing. It's not Rihanna. It's Esther Dean who wrote those songs. You were talking about I was this, just on, the saying this, this thing on the way here. It was like, is there is there like a factory where Rihanna just walks into and there's like all sorts of craziness yeah. going on and they're like, just here you go. Yeah, or like, it's the Esther Dean factory. <laughs> you know, like Esther wrote those songs. I don't know Esther. I don't know Rihanna, but I've heard Esther's songs over the years, and she's. I mean, that's who she is. You know those. That's uh, Esther Swag. And I'm not saying that Rihanna definitely takes those records and and makes them hits. You know, she sounds amazing on them. She gives the visual for them. I was going to say she looks good. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's Esther Dean. Um, Do they actually, when they get them in, when, so when she picks or Rihanna will have like, here's a couple to listen to or she'll, you know, they'll decide and then she'll, they'll be like, well, she'll sing it to almost the exact no, way. the exact way. The exact. Though you have to sing it like this, and she's sing like, it okay. like this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um. And there are other like Jay Sean. He, you know, it's pop music, but Jay is an amazing artist. Like he, he. That's him. You know, I. That's me. You know, channeling him. You know, that's the other way around. Do you find that you're you're molding into that? Because I know a lot of songwriters, you know, are some some songwriters producers are smart enough. No, you know, go grab someone to help this song out. It needs something. Yeah. Like uh, like my favorite is a uh, story is uh, I don't know the full story but I know they Bon Jovi brought in Desmond Child for Living on a Prayer exactly you know brought him in he was like do this and like ah oh, crap you know right and uh, here's half the publishing you know and like right. that well, works do I you, think yeah, you can definitely. you can write for people in their Absolutely. voice like you know I have I have songs that I've written for Rihanna that didn't make the album um, that I sang or I got a girl to sing like Rihanna would sing it you know. So wow. because of, that's her sound now. Somebody gave her that sound. Um, and, you know, so now, you you know, if you want to get in the studio and start writing for even, I don't know, a band, you kind of know their sound. You know, you know, OK, this would be great. Have you written for a band? I wrote I wrote for The Cab. Uh, they're a band um, so, that was signed to Atlantic. They just put, put out their own record. Um, they they weren't feeling the whole Atlantic situation. Um, but they're an amazing little band, little baby band. Um, I call them, but yeah, Alex They've is been incredible. Out for a few years, Cal. yeah, they're great. Um, Jonah Nodding does nothing for a did. podcast. I saw them open for Cobra Starship once. All oh, right on. 
I've been honestly, Stephen. I've just been writing. Like whoever wants it, here it comes. You know. Do, do you ever find? I mean, I know that the house genre is great because that's something that doesn't need to be house music. Doesn't need to be a hit to be incredibly popular, and it'll right. end up all over the world. And it's it's great because there's so there's an energy to it that I like. You know, I actually started writing rock records, uh, like alternative stuff that I, I should send to you just Please. to get your just to get your. You know, they're pop rock, but yeah. but but you know. But really cool, like full guitar band stuff, you know, and um, and I the thing that I loved most about it was the energy, you know, and um, I think house gives uh, its own unique energy, but it's an energy nonetheless that's kind of, you know, just cool, yeah. you know, and uh, I love it. I love well, it. Every, everyone's just like jumping all over, you know, dubstep and yeah. Well, that's the next thing. Skrillex, <laughs> Skrillex, yeah. Our little friend, Son- well, I interviewed. Did you interview Sonny back uh, a million back times? Home? I just have a quick thing. Back to the songwriting. Yeah, please. Yeah. Do you have a song right that you wrote that you're like I could you, but you're it's like your favorite. Like you could give it to someone, but you're like I don't know, man. I should just keep this. Like this is too good. Yeah. Like there's, yeah. There's uh, there's this one song that I wrote um, that I'm I, I'm definitely keeping it for me. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm, it's just like this. Um, it's out there. The producer doesn't know this, but I think he does know it because like we've actually gotten we've actually gotten offers for it, and I'm like no, no. Because it's just, it's just, I just love it. You know, it's called "Live Till It Kills Me," and uh, I just, it's just a fun song. You're like, I'm keeping it. Like I'm keeping that, keeping it. What if it's a story like, like Otis Redding wrote "Respect," right? And then Aretha sang it, and then he went, "Yeah, yeah, it's yours." Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. I was also thinking, because like, I heard, I don't, know if, I don't know if this is true, but I heard uh, Jimmy Buffett originally wasn't like a singer. He wrote Margaritaville for Elvis, and then Elvis died. And he's like, well, I guess I'll just do it. And then his career, like, boom. He was just like a songwriter. Honestly, dude, that's the like, whole thing. I don't, I, after ha- having the hit with Down, I was like, you know what, cool. I'm cool with this. I'll be a songwriter. I'm traveling all over the place. I'm working with all these artists. I'm cool. I'll be a songwriter. But then I actually wrote all these songs, and then the politics gets into it. And then all the songs that I feel that should be out don't come out, you know? And it's just like, man, fuck it. I'm doing this on my own, man. You know? So that's that's the whole reason why I was cool with not being an artist, you know? With hosting, songwriting, doing whatever. But now I'm like, yo, why got, not? Just put it out. It's got to be it frustrating out. to know that no matter what you enjoy doing, there's bullshit everywhere. Yeah. You know, I can't even imagine. I know how many cooks were involved with television. Yeah. Unless they left you alone and gave you complete autonomy and you did an episode where you slept the whole time and then they canceled your show. Um, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Or, um, uh, I guess that was a long way. I, was, uh, I, was, I actually just was told the, that story at work the other day. Was oh, that joke man. worth it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. The answer is yes, it was. Yeah. Um, that's how many cooks are in television, but I can't even imagine how many cooks involved in just one single. It's so much, man. And so much has to go right. Like so many people have to say yes before you hear a song on the radio when you're when you're just starting out, you know, uh, from from the songwriter to producer, producer to the artist, the artist to the A and R, the A and R to the guy above him, the guy above him to the guy above him, and then you know, then it's it's tested, it's it's uh, you know, you go to the promo tour, radio has to like it, every program director, like it's just it's just too much. Like mm. I think that's a one of the problems about music right now, there's just too many people in the kitchen saying yes or no. And um, and that's why now that there's only three majors, all the indies 
are going to rise up and and that's where people will get their music from because people are tired of of it you know they're tired of all this watered down stuff they want real stuff it happened before it happened before it's going to happen again and i i can't believe that these majors don't see that well how conscious do you have to be as far as like not ripping people off but like there's only a finite amount of hooks and stuff how conscious yeah. do you have to be like you write like oh i wrote this it's awesome and then you know you don't know like a year from now someone's gonna be like i wrote a song you never heard that's like that and now i'm gonna sue you yeah i don't know how that works out man i i hope that that it doesn't happen to me i hope uh you know that uh nobody steals my shit <laughs> <laughs> or that i that i inadvertently steal somebody else's but not know? even stealing just coming up with something that's yeah the same i mean, thing. I mean not, it's they, like they, it's, they, a 12 note scale i mean like nothing new under the sun man yeah there's pair you know there's parallel universes yeah. you're both going to come up with a similar melody at some point yeah. and that's and it's happened and it gets resolved i mean people can figure out intent they can figure out like there's definitely been situations where they can prove that you know, either the, the the thief has been exposed or not exposed to the track, you know. It's for the courts, as they say. Yeah. What There's happens if, laws, like, so. when you're the producer, like, um, what was that with the Beyonce, Kelly Clarkson thing with uh, right. Halo? What happens if you just, you're the producer and you write the same, the same melody for two artists and you're like, hey, you guys fight it out. Yeah, you guys That's do pretty it. much what it was. Yeah, like, I'll be at the bank cash. Yeah, my exactly. Check. <laughs> yeah, your well, name is Dr. Luke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dr. Luke, uh, Ryan Tedder did it, yeah, you yeah. know, like... It's your sound, like if you know. I'm not. I'm definitely not going to stop <laughs> stop that from happening. Didn't little, didn't little John artists. give yeah to um, before Usher? He gave it to Petey Pablo. Petey Pablo, yeah. yeah. So it was the same track, and they changed it just a little bit. But obviously, it was obvious. You know, yeah. it was the same track. You know, he made a killing off that. Completely. Yeah. You know, I I did a remix of that track, and I got it before it was a hit. Yeah, and uh, I was just telling these guys the other day because I was I had the tracks to show them. Um, and I, I was listening to it. I'm like, this is, there's no way this is going to be a hit. There's no hook. It's just, yeah. <laughs> so I actually, in the remix, made a hook out of some of the other lines. <laughs> <laughs> and the label never put it out. <laughs> Probably because you didn't stack the hook, dude. You didn't stack the hook. Stack the hook. <laughs> That's the Not title of this episode. Stack, stack the, the hook. hook. <laughs> it's Jared, oh, Jared's own podcast. Stack the hook stack with Jared. Stack the hook. <laughs> I like that. Now, you said that you're comfortable... Well, right now, you said before that you said, I'm just going to put up my own stuff that you're comfortable with. You know, I'm going to, uh, I've got my fun show for kids, which is great. Yeah. Writing songs and all that. I'm cool with being a songwriter, but all the bullshit. Did you always, did you ever think that you would be Jared Cotter's songwriter? Because I know you always want to be a singer. Yeah. And then you became a television host by sheer force of will. Right. <laughs> You know, you yeah. say Lori T called you, but I also know you emailed her a couple times. Yeah, well, she she actually hit me up on MySpace yeah. first, but, yeah. you know, and um, and you followed up, and I followed up correctly. Yeah, of course. You you, you, well, you defined was, the hustle to me once, and 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 I don't mean the dance. I mean like you know staying on it. And I'm like, well, that's just what I don't do. <laughs> yeah, you gotta stay on it, man. You gotta you gotta be persistent. You know, that's one thing I've learned with with anything. As long as you stay persistent, you know, the door that you want to open may not. But other doors will. And is that know? how you feel that you ended up becoming a songwriter? Absolutely. Like, I had no intention of writing for other people at all. You know, Jay, I met Jay, and it, we hit it off as friends first. And he was like, you know, I'm a singer, right? And I was like, where? 
because I don't know who you are. He's like, I'm pretty big in Europe. And I was like, whatever, make a, t- make a T-shirt guy, you know? I'm pretty big in Europe. But he actually was when I Googled him. And, Where'd you uh, meet him? I met, I met him, uh, it was just, a, it was just a, uh, a chance meeting, actually, with some friends. Okay. And um, we, we hit it off. I was like, who are you, man? You're pretty cool, you know? And uh, he, uh, we were like, yo, let's set up a session. And we started riding together. And that was it, you know. So I, it was just, it was just a, a door that opened that I was just around, you know. I was like, let's see where this goes, you know. And this was during Fuse. I remember, I remember you telling me about him because I did the same thing. Who the fuck is Jay Sean? Yeah, and you were like, he's big in Europe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then and we're I, like, we're gonna go to Midtown Comics, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> you know. And then <laughs> wrote That's that fun guy having a career. Yeah, and uh, yeah. sold sold nine million units. Wow. You know? So uh, it's, it went it went well. And the same thing with Fuse. Like I just just stepped into it, man. Just just keep those keep these doors opening. You mean you mean you mean here? Wow, <laughs> yeah. you have mid- a membership card. My Midtown Comics. Oh, we all have memberships, by the <laughs> way. Oh That's true. That's man! True. Every hundred bucks you spend, you get you get what ten bucks back? Twenty. Twenty. 20 bucks, yeah. yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> Jeez, are you gonna go today? Yeah, I, I, I turn, my birthday was this week, so happy birthday, man! Thank you very much. Twenty five, never looked better. Twenty five. Now I'm forty. Wow, we're saying it out loud. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, 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 was your 40. that was forty, man. Well, happy birthday, bro. That's a big one, man. It's over before. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you do you miss aside from songwriting, going back to hosting? Do you miss interviewing? I miss Fuse all the time. I'll be honest with you, you know, um, and I'm I'm very vocal about it, uh, you know, in front of people who can change that, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, There's no one there we know anymore. I know nobody. It's I all, know it's all different. I know it's crazy. Uh, I would love to to go back to that type of format, whether it's Fuse or something somewhere of, else. We hosted a live show, yeah, and live for me is the most fun you'll ever have now the show that ran the longest on the channel was the Untitled rock show that i hosted that was taped and was fun we had fun but the live shows were the greatest just because if you screw up you keep going just keep going man and, and for me that was the first time i had ever hosted anything yeah and it was like go you were a natural <laughs> well i don't think i was i learned a lot from you but um trust me you were a natural uh just, you know my first interview was uh wow oar OER? Yeah. Yeah. And my next tattoo. I had, <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea who they were, you know, and, and it was just like, go. Yeah. Like, wow. First All question right. Who are you? Yeah, who are you? Fuse is good like that in a way, though, too, because that was for me, too. And I got, I was on the sauce, and they would be like, well, we're going to have you go do uh, press junkets because I as like just yeah. produced them in off-camera interviews. Yeah. And my very first interview, I'm like, I'm not a journalist. Like, I don't interview people. And they're like, no, you're funny. You should write the questions and just go interview uh, Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe for your first interview ever and I, in the same room. And I was like, dude. And they're like, yeah, you have four minutes. It's totally cool. Just make sure you get all the answers from them you need. And it was a total like, I was like, Ugh. And then after, I mean, after that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's school, man. And you, you either... Yeah, you know, fly or you don't. And then carpets and stuff too, which are gross. And they're like, oh, carpets are disgusting. Yeah, I hate but those. But they were. I I was. I had fun. Because, Do you like them? Yeah. Well, because you can't take it seriously. And the first red carpet I ever did, I ran up to one of the hosts of E. This was years ago. And while I was interviewing, I said, "What are you doing?" Hmm. And he was really. And he turned. And he was like, "I'm interviewing someone." I was like, "What's that all about?" 
And <laughs> we got the whole thing on camera, and he was really funny, and he just kept joking with me back and forth while talking to somebody. That's funny. And I was like, and then I turned and I took the whole beta cam and I swung it around to the paparazzi and pissed off a whole mess of people. I know that sounds weird coming for me. Uh, I learned, I learned about interviewing. The smartest thing you can do is hire a journalist, which is where Jonah came from. Because right. yes. Jonah had no experience doing TV ever. I can't believe that Jonah's that even happened. I mean, that was awesome, but yeah, you were like, I want you to write this show, and I was like, I've never written anything for TV. Like, it's cool. It's like, perfect. <laughs> All right, I told the story recently. I want to end here, um, because we're trying to make it easier on the edit for Brad. Uh, like what I just said, we're going to cut out. I told a story to my wife yeah. about a party that Fuse had for the Grammys, which they're going to do again this year for the first time since we did it. Okay. Uh, at some weird venue on Coanga in Los Angeles, Fuse had a Grammy party where Panic at the Disco played. No Effects showed up. Um, Prince, Prince showed up. Prince showed up. Uh, Fall Out Boy was there. And uh, it was just a big mass hullabaloo. It was exactly the kind of place Paris I Paris Hilton was there. Paris Hilton was just stupid. Yeah. Paris Hilton was not only there. Fat Mike went up to her and started talking to her, which was hilarious. She uh, was in that Me First in the Gimme Gimme's video. Exactly why. Because she was dating Derek at the time, Wibbly from Sum 41. Or I, I say dating loosely. Um, it ended in an ING. Uh, so we're, we were at the party, and um, Jared came to me and said, Dude, you ready to drink up? And I went, I'm not touching anything. He said, Why not? And I said, Well, you know, because the owners of the company are going to be here, and we've got to be under best behavior. And you're like, Awesome, thank you. Very cool. And then, came to me a while later, freaked out. So you were dancing with some girl. Do you recall this? <laughs> Please take it from there. All right. Because <laughs> I told I wish you could see the face Jared is making right now. <laughs> I told I told I told my wife the story recently. She didn't know this story from that last night, and she fell off the couch laughing so hard. It's a oh, great man. story. All right, all right, we're in it now. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm dancing with this girl, whom I find out is a playmate. And, uh, you know, obviously she's she's pretty good looking. Um, and we're having a great time, dancing on the floor. And she's like, you want to bump? And I was like, yeah, baby, let's bump. <laughs> let's bump. So I actually started doing the dance, the bump. And she's like, she's, she stops dancing. <laughs> and I'm like, what's wrong? That's the bump. Like, I know what the bump is. What are you talking about? Uh, and she's like, no, 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 no. Do you want to bump? And I was like, uh, oh, no, 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 no. Absolutely not. And you came over to me. And I came over to Steve and freaked out. This girl, this girl just wanted to bump. <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. Apparently, uh, I wasn't aware of the terminology. Like why? Why did you're telling that story? And I'm seeing like Jim Carrey or something. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. I felt like Jim Carrey, man. <laughs> but she, yeah, she went to the bathroom and that got was, in line. Cause got in line. No one was peeing in that bathroom. Right. That exactly. You should get a publishing deal for that story. Sell to Hollywood. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's the uh, my playmate story. I awesome. Think. When's your record coming out? Um, I'm gonna put do it do it for love out uh, top of the year. Nice and uh, see what it do- see what it- see what it does, man. Is there, and, uh, is, see what happens. Wh- since you're signed to Sony Publishing, does that mean Sony puts it out? 
Um, I'm going to actually put it out on my, my own first. I want to kind of develop my own sound and before I <clears> go to any type of major or even an independent. And uh, I just want to see what happens, you know, and just have it happen organically like it should and used to happen. That's true. Yeah. When A&R stood for, for uh, artists and repertoire. Right. Because it's something so new for me, like totally different genre of music. I kind of want to get my feet wet. I want to. I want people to know me. I want fans to to kind of build with me as I go along. Must is, be. Is there a website or a good place for people to? Not yet. Like, um, I just finished shooting the game show, so uh, we're gonna right after Thanksgiving. I mean, go hard with getting the website and and everything else. But I mean, we can Twitter. Get to it on our site. When we get it yeah, please do, man. Awesome. Yeah, yeah we will. Twitter at Jared Cotter. You know, mm-hmm. I will definitely be updating. As I go along, we look forward to hearing a lot of stacked hooks. Yeah. Speaking of stacked the hook, just so you know, uh, Jonah and I have been uh, recently taking up the banjo. So if you want to maybe do a, some sort of a country collaboration, you know, there's nothing too complicated. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I'm down for the right. the banjo house song. All yeah. right, let's do it. We're let's in. make it happen. Yeah, but honestly, you, you're you're kidding. No, but I am. <laughs> no, I'm not, I was not kidding. Actually, I think well, that'd be I'm awesome. I'm not either because, like, I am down to try different things. Like, you know, that's what this publishing deal has done for me. Like, I can try whatever I want to try, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, fuck it. We tried it. Yeah, you know, exactly. It awesome. That's what music should be. Thanks, Jared. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Jared. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Jared Cotter uh, goes to Africa and helps people out, writes amazing songs, and I just feel kind of worthless. I right ate now. like a whole pizza the other day. Just <laughs> <laughs> <is> like, <laughs> this is, so, you supported the pizza place? Yeah, my friend was like, I stayed out all night. Blah blah blah. I was like, I had a crazy night too. Like I stayed in, I ate an entire pizza. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and Jared's like, yeah, I went to Africa and, and worked in this village and learned about things. Yep, and helped people. Yep. Uh, recently, Jared. Uh, very interesting. He was nominated for uh, two Emmy Awards. I think, that, I think there's various degrees of Emmys. I think it was like the New York Emmys or something. But he got to go be a presenter and do the whole award show thing, which uh-huh. I have to follow up and recap about. Uh, I think also Jared learned a lot, working a few specifically, uh, what a bump is. Yeah. And he learned something being here about what a bunch of bumps are. <laughs> <laughs> that was stupid. <laughs> We'll take that uh, out for sure. Yeah. Um, if he comes right. back on the show, it could be Welcome Back, Cotter. Boom! <laughs> End. All right. Uh, today's music and forever on Going Off Track is by The Goops. Brad Goop, audio producer. And I think it sounds really, really awesome. I want to give credit now to the music. You're you welcome. All right, next week, another stellar episode. And by stellar, I mean we're doing it from a satellite. Woohoo. That would be interstellar, right? Or would Shut that... the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't get mark. even better. I'm totally off my mark here. I think Dude. we all are, but it's kind of awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> Makes it even better. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365 day returns.